The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, welcome to the show. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everybody. What's up? It is Super Bowl Monday, and the 2022 season is officially (laughs) in the books. And we're going to look back, and we're going to reflect on some fantasy trends. A down year for quarterbacks, uh, a really good year for rookie running backs, and some other things that we noticed. Of course, we'll talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl because we didn't really talk fantasy last night, just a little bit on Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, But we will give our fantasy takeaways from Super Bowl 57, a three-point win for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, welcome, everybody. Send us your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is fantasyfootball at cbsi, the letter I, uh, .com. We also have a mock draft coming up later today that we'll be able to talk about later in the week. Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, here we go. All right. So, <laughs> um, let's start with some fantasy questions. I'm giving you 90 seconds per question. Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts next year, and why are you going to say Mahomes? Heath, you can start. Uh, Patrick Mahomes in leagues where passing touchdowns are worth six points. Jalen Hurts in leagues where passing touchdowns are worth four points. Um, and I think those are, the, those are the number one quarterbacks in those two formats. There's nobody better than either of them. Wow, that's a lot of hot takes there, I think. Uh, not Josh Allen, huh? No. All right. Jamie, you agree? How do you see it? Mahomes versus Hurts? Well, no, I agree. I agree. I think Mahomes is, uh, is going to throw for more touchdowns and probably account for more total touchdowns. So there's also the risk of what these running quarterbacks are, as we saw with Jalen Hurts missing two games. And Dave, what do you think? I love that we're just completely writing off Josh Allen as if he did absolutely nothing this year. Average 0.2 fewer fantasy points per game than Patrick Mahomes in 2022 and averaged almost a full point more than Jalen Hurts. Sounds to me like I'm going to get Josh Allen at a bargain this coming year. <laughs> you think he'll end up being QB3? Because he, I mean, I've got him ranked QB one, so I'm I'm fine taking him after you guys take Mahomes and Hurts. I'm not saying Mahomes and Hurts are going to be bad or anything like that, but right. I, I think we've got ourselves a a top three, and your goal as a drafter should be trying to get the last of that three. 
Well, it's good that Mahomes that Hurts uh, went out with a bang in 2022 with that game. You know, technically 2023. Uh, I wonder if we'd be having you know, if people would feel the same way if he had like just kind of another ho hum game like he did in the first two. But he was amazing. Scored over 40 fantasy points in the Super Bowl. All right, question number two, Jamie, you can go first. Isaiah Pacheco, emerging fantasy starter or fooled you like we've seen in the past with Chiefs running backs. As we sit here today, I would say emerging fantasy starter. By the time we get through the NFL draft and free agency, it's probably going to be someone who could be a little overvalued. But if they come back with a similar type of group where it's Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and somebody else you know, of the aging veteran type that might just be a pass catcher like a Jarrett McKinnon, then I think Isaiah Pacheco is in a great spot because you, you see what he's able to do as a rusher. Uh, as as he's you know sort of gotten through the two or three playoff games for sure, and then what they did with him in the AFC Championship game as a receiver, where I think that's where his biggest growth will come from. So um, a lot to like about him, but I don't think you should overvalue him because of the offense that he plays. In. Both. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think he, I think he is an emerging fantasy starter. I think he'll start Week One for the Chiefs, and I think he'll probably have a stretch of a month or two next year where he's a, a top 20 running back, maybe even a little bit better. And I think at some point next year, we're going to get the Fuju and there will be somebody else. Is there anybody here who thinks that the chiefs are going to spend anything more than a day three pick on a running back? I think if you look at what the, the history has been for them, Damian Williams off the scrap heap and Isaiah Pacheco with a seventh round pick, why would right. they go a different route? after what they failed to do when they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Right. That's what you have to say is that Edwards-Hilaire was something different that they did. I don't even remember. I think we said it at the time. It was the first time a running back was drafted in round one from Andy Reid. And that was part of the reason we were so excited about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back in the day. Yeah, I think there's so many running backs, and you hear more about teams that might be wanting to get rid of their current starter running back than teams that are in the market. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of these 26-year-old, 27-year-old backs go really cheap and just choose, one of them chooses to go to the Chiefs. Right. Try to win. They've also tried that route, too, though, because you think about Ronald Jones and trying to make him a reclamation project, Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Bell. Yeah. And, and what they tried there. Yep. I mean, let's Melvin not forget. Gordon was on the team this year. I was going to say, Melvin Gordon just got a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> you know, he was yeah, on the practice right. for him. Forget that. You know, like, so yeah, David Montgomery's got the naggy connection. Like, if he's the guy that only gets two million this offseason, then yeah, I think if it's if it's somebody of of the younger group, you know, not necessarily you know pushing thirty as opposed to you know somebody in that twenty six, twenty seven range, then you can be a little bit more excited about that guy and maybe a little bit you know concerned about Pacheco. But I mean, the the, the trust that they started to show in this kid as the season progressed, certainly the last two playoff games it kind of speaks to, I think, where they're going to feel about him coming into next year. It's just the exact opposite of what the Eagles showed us with Miles Sanders. Yeah, Correct. very strange. Yeah, uh, and you're also, guys, forgetting about uh, LaShawn McCoy, 31 years old, went over to the sure. Chiefs. Yep. He did. Uh, and Pacheco, by the way, he really became the starter in Week 10. From Weeks 10 through 18, he was the number 18 running back in PPR, but number 26 per game. He did that averaging five yards per carry. 126 carries, which was 13th most among running backs in that stretch. This is, again, Weeks 10 through 18. Uh, He did score double-digit PPR fantasy points in seven of the nine games, so he was solid, but he just never had a big week. He never scored more than 16.2 PPR fantasy points, had just 10 catches in the nine games. All right, next question. Go ahead, go ahead. We answered this. I don't think Heath was around to answer it. Heath, what round are you taking Isaiah Pacheco in in today's draft? Five? Oh, that's what you guys said, exactly too. Exactly what we said. Yeah. 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 All right, next question. Kadarius Tony, emerging fantasy starter or fooled you? Heath, I mean, you, you know go, how this one's going to go. You go first, Heath. Um, yes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you have uh, given you've straddled the fence on every answer. I, no, I'm not straddling the fence at all. I'm just telling you the way that it is. Um, I what do you play? Eleven offensive snaps. I think it night? was. I think it was. I have it right here. I think he played less than Sky Moore. He played eight snaps, including penalties. Um. Yeah. I don't. know. And like, I drafted him in the fifth round. No. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, and I would expect that, like, that Juju comes back, Juju's better than him, or somebody takes that role. Maybe it's Keenan Allen. What's your read on it, Jamie? This is a guy they acquired midseason, so they didn't have the offseason to you know get into the game plan and all that. Uh, we see the talent. So, again, Canarius Tony, emerging fantasy starter or fooled you? Uh, uh, same thing like Pacheco. You know, Once we get past the NFL draft, we're going to know what this team looks like from a receiver perspective because of all the, the moving parts. Um, Hardman a free agent, Juju a free agent. You know, do, do they really trust the the group that they have of MVS, Sky Moore, and and Kadarius Tony with an aging Travis Kelsey, you know, so they, they've, they've clearly tried to invest in this position a little bit, you know, from the draft through the start of the season with the trade to get Kadarius Tony. So getting some young talent, that's clearly explosive if they get the opportunity to grasp the playbook and understand everything that, that, that they want this team to expect from them. But uh, I, I think they're still mil- missing an alpha, you know, whether they thought Juju was going to be that guy to replace Tyreek Hill. I know what Mahomes said that, it was going to be a group effort, but I think that kind of spoke to the group that they had, you know, so he's mentioned, you know, Kader, uh, Keenan Allen, um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, do they dip their toe into the pool that we saw last year of trying to get one of these guys on a expiring rookie contract that a team doesn't want to pay, you know, whether it's a T Higgins, which probably seems like a stretch or a Michael Pittman or something of that, you know, caliber, um, Anybody that has the potential to take the next step being paired with Mahomes and Andy Reid, you're going to be excited about, as you should. You know, so um, if it's if it's Tony in the, the potential lead role, then, yes, you should be excited about it. But you, have, you, have, you obviously have to deal with a little bit of trepidation because of what we saw during the season that he didn't get a bigger opportunity and then clearly the injury track record that still is going to be on everybody's mind. Give me a round, Dave, for uh, Tony today when you're drafting. Eight. Round eight is when I'm looking to get Kadarius Tony. It, there's not a lot of risk involved if he busts. Should be able to contribute a couple of times, at least during the first two thirds of the fantasy season, if he can stay healthy that long. And there's upside for him to be unbelievable if he can manage to keep his hamstrings healthy for 17 Sundays in a row. The other thought that I had in my head head was: is is there an idea of drafting, doing the old friendship strategy? with Tony and Sky Moore, assuming that Juju does move on, Holman, Hardman doesn't come back, and the top three receivers for Kansas City are MVS, Moore, Tony, and you can just invest in two of the three and hope that one of them pops. Maybe that's a plan. All right, last question here. A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, who you drafting first? And arbitrary point in the season, it was the game in which Dallas Goddard got hurt, but he still played almost all that game. But since week 10, it's just, it's just been so even. 105 targets for Devontae Smith. This is week 10 through the Super Bowl. 105 targets for Smith, 98 for Brown. Smith had 12 more catches, but they had within 30 yards of each other. They both had six touchdown catches. So very, very even since week 10. Who are you drafting first? Heath, uh, Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown? And I don't think you can say both. No, I have to draft one of them first. I'll, I'll draft A.J. Brown first. It's very, very close in full PPR. There's a little bigger gap in, in non-PPR in half. Um, but I still think... There's a, a more likely case that A.J. Brown has that wide receiver one overall season than Devontae Smith. Jamie. I would draft Brown first also, but prior to the Super Bowl, uh, Smith had out, actually outscored Brown by 20 PPR points over that same stretch. You know, So still close, obviously, when you go on a point-per-game basis. Um, I think the thing that you got to take into account also is two of those games were with Gardner Minshew. You know, so how much of that factored into, you know, one receiver doing better than the other. I think Brown actually two good games, though, uh, in those games with Minshew. But I, I agree with Heath. I think Brown's ceiling is still a little bit higher um, when things are right. There's some more, more touchdown potential, it feels like. Uh, but Devontae Smith, you know, like, like Dave mentioned with the quarterbacks, you're going to get Smith at a bargain, and you might get the better of the two Eagles receivers. So while Brown is probably going to go somewhere in that 2-3 swing, you know, end of round two, beginning of round three, I think Smith will go probably closer to the middle to the end of round three, depending on how quickly receivers come off the board. And again, you might get the better of the two players. So they're both fantastic. They're both superstars. They both have, you know, shown great things with Jalen Hurts in this offense. Smith, year two, uh, obviously Brown just, you know, joining the team. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see how these guys are going to develop one more time. Uh, but Smith entering year three might be, you know, on the verge of becoming that next superstar. 
Uh, yeah, you know, the Minshew thing is a good point because both of them had two great games with Gardner Minshew, but Smith was a lot better. Smith had uh, 31.3 points against Dallas and 20.5 against the Saints. So if you actually took those games out, the fantasy points per game would probably be just about even. As of now, the fantasy points per game, including the Super Bowl since Week 10, Devontae Smith averaged 1.2 more per game in PPR. A lot of that is the catches because he had 12 more. Dave, real quick, Smith or Brown? I'll I'll draft Brown ahead of Smith, but I, you know, it, it's what Jamie said. It's the better bargain with Devontae Smith, and you might be able to get him, say, the twelfth receiver off the board versus Brown. This is a small sample size, but it's a significant sample size. The playoffs, they had the exact same target share, twenty six point eight percent. Smith had a much better catch rate, sixty eight percent to Brown's fifty nine percent yards per catch. Favored Smith. Yards per target, favored Smith. Yards per route run, favored Smith. A dot, favored AJ Brown by a couple of yards. Explosive play rate, that favored Smith too. Red zone targets, three for Smith, none for AJ Brown. I think though the playoffs, the, the playoff numbers are so hard to use though because they barely did anything in the in the second half of both those games, the first two. Right, but he was like still you, involved in the first half. You, I'm just you, I, it, the overarching point is simply there isn't that big of a gap between the two of them. And Jamie made the point for me. Whichever one you can get second is probably the one that you'll be happier with. But the the, the difference, though, is if you if you, you're not going to be able to sort of play it that way based on where they're going to go. You know, so it's almost like you have to know your draft spot and kind of see how the ADP lies and know your league a little bit because – one is going to go probably in the same round. Like I can see a very realistic scenario where the ADP for Brown is like 25, 26 and the ADP for Smith is like 34, 34, 35, you know? So you're looking at beginning of one round end of right. the other. Yeah. Right. You, you can't, you can't say whoever I get later because you have to just, you have to choose unless, unless AJ Brown is like end of round two and Smith is beginning of round three. And then you can say, okay, I'm not going to take Brown here because I'm going to take Smith five picks later or something, but right. there could just be a, a possibility that you just have to choose, but kind of like a Godwin Evans thing in years past. All right. Uh, we have no more football to talk about, but we do have plenty of other sports going on. You can check them all out on the CBS sports app. And if you want to do some gambling in the off season, please check out sports line. Uh, you get 99 cents for your first month. Uh, you pay 99 cents for your first month. When you sign up on sportsline.com and use the code tackle, Sportsline is a tremendous website. If you want to do some gambling, there's also great fantasy advice on there. Uh, but, you know, like DFS, uh, you've got computer simulations. You've got experts. It's very transparent. You can see who's doing well with the expert picks. So uh, yeah, check it out, sportsline.com. You want to give it a shot for 99 cents. Use the promo code TACKLE when you sign up. Uh, Dave, did you want to do your Super Bowl stat check, or are we skipping that? We can do it. That can make it quick. Okay, so Dave has a couple of stats. What was the premise here? We wanted to see if things we talked about pregame held up. Yeah, things. What what could we have talked about or spent more time talking about that would have been um, proven correct from the Super Bowl? Ooh, okay. And here's the first one. And this one I think will resonate. Maybe we can learn from this, and and we have learned from this. From the from week 17 to the conference championships of so the last four games for Philadelphia in earnest. Or I guess it's, yeah, I think it's four. Uh, Eagles defense, 5.6 yards per carry. That's fourth worst. 2.2 yards before contact. That's fifth worst. 12 missed tackles, eighth most. 25 runs of five-plus yards allowed, ninth most. Nine runs of 10-plus yards allowed, seventh most. And then on edge runs, um, they, they actually were pretty good there leading up. But in the game, they were also good. So forget about the edge runs. Just overall rushing. Philadelphia's run defense wasn't good going into the playoffs and then in the playoffs. Uh, they got they got beat up a little bit. Even the 49ers, without Brock Purdy on the field most of the game, got over 5.6 yards per carry from their running backs. In the Super Bowl, that, that's number one. Number two, in the Super Bowl, Mahomes was 15 of 18 for 125 yards on throws between the numbers on the field. So these are inside the numbers, middle of the field throws. And on the season, Philadelphia wasn't that bad against those types of throws, but two games specifically against the Packers and against the Cowboys, they were terrible. And they they beat Green Bay, but they lost to Dallas in that game, and that was a Minshew game. But Dak had a monster game. Um, and I, I wonder if those are two little things that we missed there, just how Green Bay and Dallas' quarterbacks had success against Philadelphia's defense. 
And did Mahomes take advantage in the same way, knowing that there would be opportunities there? And I just wonder if that was part of it. And, and, I, I was just uh, yeah. reading Chad Haney was talking about how the Chiefs actually stole the uh, touched the last two touchdowns came on the same play, and it was actually a play that Jacksonville had run earlier with uh, Jamal Agnew. Huh. And they'd noticed Jacksonville had noticed that Philadelphia, whenever a team shows something like a jet sweep in the red zone, they mm -hmm. way overplay it. So they wow. said Agnew like oh. that, and he stopped and went back. And the Chiefs did it twice and worked both times. No, the Tony play, they completely overplayed it. You can see Darius Slate pointing in the middle of the field, and it just left Tony wide open. You know, they both went, ran a whip route or a pivot route, whatever you want to call it, where they're just, they, they get wide open, more the exact same play. Yeah. But that's genius stuff. That's what these coaches do. They're looking for those like two or three specific plays that they can take advantage of in certain situations because another team did it before. When we come back, we'll update you on Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers and some coaching news on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. So if we want to put a bow on this, James Bradbury said it was holding. He was called for the hold. Here's what the referee called Carl Cheffers said. He said, the receiver went to the inside and he was attempting to release to the outside. The defender grabbed the jersey with his right hand and restricted him from releasing to the outside. So therefore, we call defensive holding, end quote. And, uh, you know, people are really pissed off at the ref. Like, look at right now. The refs need to be held accountable. People say, that's what we'll comment in our chat right now. The NFL's rigged, this and that. I don't know. The, I Last night, Jamie, you and I were kind of saying wasn't the right call. But here, I, I kind of changed my mind after what Bradbury said. I don't know. What did you, did you change your mind on it? No, I, I think it's the right call. It's just tough to call in that spot. That's the problem. It's, you know, it, it's, it's just looking at the overall way the game is going, game flow. You know, they haven't really been calling ticky-tack plays like that. I mean, Juju got held earlier in the, in the game. I don't know if yeah. it was by Bradbury, um, where he basically got spun around and they didn't call it, yeah. you know. And so it's, you know, you, you, you want to see, and I think if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there a, a ticky-tack Logan Wilson penalty last year's game against the Rams? Mm. Um, you know, at, at the end of the game, don't you, you don't want to see the refs really interject themselves at that point unless it's something so egregious. So, yes, it's a holding call. You call holding on the offensive line every play of the game if you wanted to. You know, I mean, it's just that that's the nature of how a lot of holding calls go. So, yes, obviously Bradbury, uh, as he said, he thought he can get away with it. You know, he, he thought it wasn't going to be called, however he phrased it. You know, so, yes, absolutely. It's, it's by definition of the rules, it's a holding call. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're going to love it. If you're an Eagles fan, you're going to hate it. And if you're just looking at the way that the game was being played, the last thing you wanted to do was see the referees sort of have uh, a stake in this game that it's the talking point coming out of it when that game was just so beautifully played between those two teams. Okay. And I think we can let, let everyone else just debate it. And, <laughs> you know, it's unfortunate that it's a big storyline, but I do think the fact that Bradbury came out and said it was holding – might help people settle the debate. The Chiefs backup quarterback, Chad Henney, retired. Yeah, sorry. The debate? Well, the, <laughs> debate, the debate? The debate is, should yeah. it, you know, the, what Jamie said is the debate is, do you call it at that moment? And so you think there should, you think there should be different rules like I, inside I the two-minute warning? I don't, but a lot of people do. And it's a really difficult question because I think – I felt exactly the same way Jamie does, you know, the offensive holding thing, right? You could call it. Tom Brady said that a couple of weeks ago. You could call it basically every single play. So when do you call it? 
And I think if you're going to call the defensive hold in that situation, it has to be a play. It has to be a hold that really impacted the play. And I still haven't seen an angle definitively to know if it really did impact the play. Dave, you said you looked at the All-22 and you think it did not, right? No, no, it did not. But Bradbury didn't know it. He didn't know that Mahomes was getting pressured and that the Eagles were getting to him and Mahomes was throwing the ball away. Can you buy that? Can you buy that argument, Heath? That if Bradbury's hold, which because it was a hold, that if that if the hold watching the refs not watching the all (laughs) twenty-two and try and then waiting to see the play and then deciding advantage. It's not soccer where it's like play on, no advantage. The ref's watching a specific part of the field for specific things, and if he sees that thing happen, he's supposed to throw a flag. Yes. But I guess the argument, the argument would just be uh, you could throw that flag on so many plays. If you're going to throw it, it should be a, a penalty that actually impacted the play. Yeah, I don't know how you could officiate like that. All right. So Chad Henney retired. Would you, would you feel the same way, though, if it was reversed? If it was Eagles versus Chiefs going the other way? Um, I don't know. I might. I mean, I, I I might be really upset about it. I can't imagine though if like the the corner who had done it had said yes, I grabbed him and held him, that I would have still thought that it was a bad call. But I don't know. It's hard well, he to... didn't he didn't need to say it. <laughs> if you go back and watch it, and everybody who was watching the game saw him hold, it's like getting a, a speeding ticket for going nine miles over the posted speed limit. Versus going 25 miles over the speed limit. Like one, if it was an egregious hold, nobody would care. But it was like a, I don't want to use ticky tack as the term, but it was a hold. He was held. Yeah. The, the, and it was, like, it, was a, it was in a very obvious over. place. Like there's a, an official right there looking right at him. Two of them. And, and, and Juju breaks out and he, like, yeah. I don't know. That's okay. It it's okay. Hold. Let the, it is. Let the people. Uh, it was a. It I mean, was I, a hold. you know, I, I think again, it's. He admitted it. The referee's doing his job. Yes. It's just a matter of again, like, just being put in that situation. Like, if you're the ref, like, you, you know, you reach for the flag and you're like, is it catchable pass? Time again. You know, they're not supposed to take in those the the account the the circumstances. You know, they're supposed to be unbiased and. You know, see that see the calls that unfolds, but they're humans, and this is why people want you know robots to be umpires and referees and all those things because they want to take those things out of it. Well, well I listen. can tell you this: that flag came out once the ball was like in the air in that direction, and I almost wonder if Mahomes had thrown it away to the other side of the field. I wonder if that flag wouldn't have been thrown. But the fact that the pass went in that direction and there was a clear hold—that's why the ref threw the flag, and that is the ref doing his job. I think people should lay off the refs, honestly. Like there is, there's just, just give it up. It, you know, well, it's in this instance. Yeah. Yeah. In this instance, I, but you know, like even the, uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too off track, but even that whole play in the Bengals. Can you Chiefs believe game, the Eagles didn't have one sack? That was amazing. It was unbelievable. All right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had the second lowest percentage of deep balls in a game this season. 3.7% of his passes were 20 or more yards downfield. That's the second lowest. The lowest was 0% a few weeks ago against the Jaguars when he was so hurt. So unbelievable. He just barely threw the ball downfield in this game and still won Super Bowl MVP and had a a terrific game. Uh, Also, I think you're seeing a trend this year. It was interesting. A lot of the really good fantasy quarterbacks were pretty low in air yards per pass attempt. Trevor Lawrence, Mahomes, Goff was good. Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, they were all 22nd to 27th in air yards per pass attempt. Uh, per pass attempt, excuse me. Uh, last year, Mahomes was the only good fantasy quarterback who was lower than 18th in air yards per pass attempt. So that was interesting. It's and a John Gruden wet dream. Oh, because gross. He, he always preached. He always preached completions, completions. Don't worry about going downfield like crazy. I know. And that's what a lot of teams are doing, partially because of how defenses are playing against them. There's a lot of, you know, cover two type defenses that are trying to dare offenses to run the football. And quarterbacks are doing some handoffs, but they're also throwing short and they're just completing those short passes. Sorry about the visual about Gruden. Yeah, (laughs) really, that was so unnecessary. Andy Reid is returning. The Colts are looking to hire Philadelphia offensive coordinator Shane Steichen as their head coach. And the as the uh, yeah, and uh, the the Texans are expected to hire 49ers passing game coordinator Bobby Slowick as their offensive coordinator. So he will join D'Amico Ryan's there. 
So, Jamie, you got potential. It looks like Shane Steichen going to the Colts. Bobby Slowick going to the Texans. Do you see big fantasy impacts here? I mean, I think with both those teams, you got to wait to see what the quarterback looks like, you know, because that's the biggest part of it. Um, if they don't have the right person in place, clearly the Texans have the opportunity to draft that guy. Hopefully the Colts do as well. Um, so, you know, hitting the reset button on, on those potential positions will kind of determine what these teams look like. But I think for both those situations, you got to feel good about the running backs there because both guys are coming from situations where the running games were pretty strong. You know, clearly the San Francisco run game has been fantastic. And so hopefully that's good for Damian Pierce. And then Donna Taylor is going to be great probably no matter who the play caller is, but you know, the fact that it's a Philadelphia guy and you know, they, they have, have certainly shown the ability mostly last year, more so than this year, but you know, to feature their, their run game and, both those guys should be in good spots. Derek Carr will not waive his no-trade clause, so he could be uh, released anytime now, and we could have Derek Carr news pretty soon. Fact- I hope for his sake he still goes to the Saints and just gives the Raiders a big middle finger. <laughs> just says, I just wasn't, I just didn't want to give you guys anything back in return. <laughs> it seems like he's, yeah, he's not doing anything to help the Raiders right now, so can't blame him. Falcons owner Arthur Blank said he's very excited about Desmond Ritter. And Ritter did not throw an, intercep- an interception in four games. That's cool. Did he throw any touchdowns? He threw two in week 18 against the Bucks, who were, you know, half playing. So, yeah. Uh, actually, I think he probably did decently against the starters. The Jets inquired about the availability of Aaron Rodgers. And let's talk about some fantasy trends. Finally get to that. You saw the Jets just hired another coach that's linked to some other quarterbacks, right? No, who they hire? They hired Todd Downing as their passing game coordinator. So now they could be linked to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, They could be linked to Derek Carr. They could be linked Mm -hmm. to Jimmy Garoppolo. And they could be linked to Aaron Rodgers. So all the the main veterans that are going to be available, they have some tied to. Okay. All right. So fantasy trends from the 2022 season. Some things that surprised us maybe. Is that, do you guys want me to throw these out there, or did you have your own? How are we doing this? I do not have my own. Okay. I don't have any. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. That's fine. Uh, so quarterback got weaker. I think that's pretty obvious. In 2021, now if you look at the amount of quarterbacks that averaged 20 fantasy points per game and six point per passing touchdown leagues, we went from 14 to 12 in 2021 to 2022. Not a huge drop. But if you make that 22 points per game, 12 quarterbacks averaged 22 points per game in 2021. Five quarterbacks did that in 2022. So, Heath, I mean, that to me was the biggest thing that stood out. Brady, Wilson, Stafford, the older guys were terrible. Rodgers was terrible. Uh, Quarterback changed quite a bit in 2022. Yeah. um, Scoring was down pretty considerably. Uh, I think Chris was talking about it last week. The under hit 56% of games this year. Um, and so quarterback fantasy scoring is going to go with that. The question is going into this year, do we get bounce backs from Justin Herbert, from Lamar Jackson, from Kyler Murray? We've got a lot of quarterbacks who have shown the ability to score 25 fantasy points per game. It's just, we had a lot of them fall off. We don't think obviously Brady's not coming back and I don't think that Rogers is probably doing it again, but there's still guys who didn't do it last year who have the potential to do it this year. Yeah, how much are you going to let the 2022 quarterback production influence your 2023 drafting of quarterbacks, Dave? Oh, sorry. Um, go, go ahead, Heath. No, I think Dave should answer because it's a frustrating question for me. It's because I think we should probably draft him in round three, but I'm you get like doing that in our mocks you just can't hardly do it if you want to draft a team that's good because somebody's going to draft Dak Prescott in round 13. I'm a little, sorry, I'm a little confused on what you're saying. I think we need to draft quarterbacks a little bit earlier. I'm not sure I'm actually going to do it in our mocks because of the way they work. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, Dave, what's your take on this? They're the guys that you can expect to get north of 20, let's, let's be conservative, 23 fantasy points per game. And we've already talked about three of them. I think Burrow belongs in that group, too. Lamar, Fields, they've got the upside. Herbert has the upside. Not all in the same tier, but guys that are going to have that little bit of extra value, and you're hoping that they can get not just 23 points per game, but closer to 30, like 
Mahomes had, like Josh Allen had, like Jalen Hurts had. And then you've got the rest of the quarterbacks. And I think it's it's almost like the same philosophy you have with tight ends. If, if you want to prioritize the position, you will take one at a value that you hope is at least fair. You don't want to reach for one. You never want to reach in a fantasy draft. But if you miss on those, you don't panic. You just wait till the end of your draft and you pick up two guys and you hope that one of them will get you at least 20 points a week. But maybe get a little lucky and you know, Dak ends up having a much better year than he had this year. And he jumps to that 23-point range. So our our goal this offseason will be not only to just stick with the quarterbacks that we think have that 23-point upside, but to identify those other quarterbacks that have that screaming upside to get you closer, not to 23, but to 28. That's That's going to be something that we've got to work on and make the case for in the next several months. And Jamie, but you still, there's still guys who didn't average 22 fantasy points per game. Some of them didn't even come close that will probably be very hopeful for them. Fields was just 21.9 technically, but Fields, Tua, Herbert had a bad year, right? Kyler, 20 points per game. Trevor Lawrence, right around 20. And then maybe Russell Wilson, maybe Aaron Rodgers. Uh, make, just make the case for not overreacting to 2022 and saying, you know what, quarterback's going to be just fine and we should draft like we had been. I mean, for uh, a good a, a few of those guys that you named, that's usually the place where I'll live is, you know, waiting to see how far Herbert falls, Justin Herbert, you know, hoping Fields will, will slip a little bit. Hopefully Lamar Jackson slips a little bit. You know, those type of guys, I think, you know, if you're inclined to say, I want to get, a quarterback that has the chance to be in that top tier group, you you let the first tier go of of really, and I think Dave's right, stop four, you know, because I do think Burrow will, you know, sort of ascend a little bit more. Um, so you you let somebody else take those top four, and then okay, you know, what kind of game of chicken are you playing with the other eight or seven managers in your league, you know, to try and see when the guy that you potentially could be targeting. Like for me, I'm going to target Trevor Lawrence a lot, you know, or or, or Justin Herbert a lot, just depending on how again, the draft board goes, because I think you could see the path for those two guys in particular. Herbert's already done it, and what Lawrence showed, you know, in the second half of the season, um, what they're capable of doing, you know. So I think there's absolutely potential for those guys to be, you know, to make that top tier a little bit more robust. It's just a matter of, again, you know, how much better, let's say, will the the top four guys be than the rest of the field? You know, if you're banking on on that next group to, to catch up, then that's where you should be drafting. Okay, would you guys rather take, you know, let's say, let's say like Justin Herbert in round five, or maybe take two quarterbacks in the Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins range or something like that late? Uh, Heath, what would you do? I, I would like to get one of the guys that I think could be in that 30 point range. So I think I'd go with the earlier. Okay. Um, all right, let's go to our next topic then. How about the rookie running backs? It was a really uh, just, just just real quick before you move on. So the, the I, I did the win percentage stuff for our site. You know the players that contributed to the most wins and that most fantasy championships. So it was about 120 players of the study that we use based on the sample size. So it's our commissioner league, which is our paid product. Um, it's leagues that are eight players or more, eight fantasy managers or more. Um, four of the top 12 players were those four quarterbacks. It was Mahomes and Hurts were one and two. They led to the most wins. Um, Josh Allen was third and Joe Burrow was fourth. So four of the top 12 overall players. And for your, your argument, Adam, Travis Kelsey was the fifth overall player, mm. um, contributed to the most wins. So you had those players, you were a very successful fantasy team. Doesn't again mean you won a championship, but, um, certainly helped you get there or get to the playoffs and, and have a chance to maybe be the one seed, um, or, or one of the better teams. Having said that, if you were, you know, drafting with the first overall pick in a 12-team league and you weren't drafting with us and you were drafting in a league where you thought those top three quarterbacks were going to go in the first two rounds, what would you take? I mean, I know you guys wouldn't, but would it be crazy to take one of those guys with 1-1? In a 1QB league, I think it's crazy. I think you're giving away value. <laughs> uh, but it, Jamie just said they were the most winning to. players it, in it, fantasy. I don't think yeah, it's crazy. rare. It's not usually quarterbacks that are the most winning player. I, right. I would not do it, but I don't think it's crazy. Um. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with Heath. I, I wouldn't do it either. But you know, again, we deal with so many players, so many fantasy managers that I don't want to have my first round pick injured. I don't want to deal with the headaches of of having to 
replace that player, you know, and we kind of got a little bit lucky this season that a lot of the, well, no, I guess we didn't. Jonathan Taylor got hurt, you know, so, um, you know, you, 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 the security factor of taking one of those quarterbacks and it, 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 it so much comes down to knowing your league, because if you know, if you take Mahomes or Hertz or Allen first, and you know that the domino effect is going to be six other quarterbacks going the first two rounds, you're not missing out on a lot of the talent and the rest of the player pool. But if you know you're the only person that's going to do that, and then you're you're losing out on a great round two pick, a great round three pick, because everybody else is now picking apart the running back and wide receiver pool, then you're in a little bit different scenario. Wait a minute. Where did we all have Justin Herbert ranked last year? Top five? Top yep. three. Where did we have Lamar Jackson ranked last year? Top five. Okay. So those are two of the top five quarterbacks that we had last year that didn't hit expectations. And it, it totally comes down to these quarterbacks staying healthy. It comes down to everybody staying healthy. That's, that's part of the yeah. whole reason why. They can't say, I mean, I know, I, know Herbert, I know Herbert played through it, but you can't. He you was know, so beat game. up. That's definitely, that's part of it. It's not all of it for Justin Herbert, but the worst thing you could do, generally speaking, is draft players who get hurt and you can't use them in fantasy, and then the replacement value isn't anywhere close to what you had. The next worst thing you could do is reach for a player, and that player gets hurt, and the replacement value of the player that you're replacing uh, isn't anywhere close to what he could do. So it's, it's the same thing for every position, but if you're in a league with 10 people or 12 people, the quarterback position is the easiest one to fill. You can't but, give that away by Dave, taking a quarterback. Not even at the twelfth pick in round one. But but it's too Dave, soon. But this past year, Allen, Hurts, and Mahomes were all twenty-eight to twenty-nine fantasy points, and Hurts was you know right up there with those guys before his injury. So you're talking about twenty-nine points per game almost. Quarterback five per game was Lamar Jackson at twenty-two point three. You had for a little more than half a season. Yeah, right. But what I'm saying is there was a, more than half. A there was a positional advantage that those guys had this year that we just hadn't seen in the past. So if you were going to okay, how did people do that? Took Christian McCaffrey or Travis Kelsey well, I, I'm or Justin say, Jefferson? Right. Well, they Kel- had a positional advantage too, did they not? Yes, but what I'm saying is, if you're going to buy what happened in 2022, and and think that quarterback is much shallower than it used to be, then taking those guys with of you know a top six pick or whatever overall is totally justifiable because they're just so much better than the position. They're like three Kelseys oh, practically. I mean, that's that's the argument. Oh man! I mean, look, I, I wouldn't do it either. But but that, but they they were they stood out more to their relative to their peers than any year in recent history. You know, because quarterbacks sucked this year. Those sure. guys didn't. All right. Sure. All right. Let's go to our next topic here. Um, I don't. I want to know Heath if you think that this is. Something that we should take into next year, or if we have to treat everything with a case by case basis. But things worked out pretty well for rookie running backs. I'm going to include ETN in here. He wasn't a rookie, but he was a guy who had never played before, who was behind a, a, a you know veteran should in quotes. Be. He's a rookie for the purposes of this show. Okay, we're, we're so <laughs> Brees Hall. It took him like I think three games of being in a timeshare to really take over. Ken Walker took him an injury, but he ended up being good. ETN. Took him a tr- to a trade, but he ended up being the guy. Tyler Algiers took a while. Damian Pierce took one week. You know, by week two, he was the guy. Um, that worked out really well. I think I think the Javante Williams thing scared people off from 2021. He never overtook Melvin Gordon, uh, but it was a great year for the rookie running backs in that regard. Maybe you want to go back to 2020, Heath. You look at um, Ceh. You know, he he had a pretty solid role, but DeAndre Swift did not. Jonathan Taylor. Marlon Mack got hurt right away. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins kind of took them a while. Um, so, I don't know. It was, it was better for the rookie running backs this year than I think in the previous two years. And what do you make of that going into 2023? I don't think it tells us much about what the rookie running backs are going to do this year. I think you've kind of laid it out over the last three years. that We've had a really wide range of performances. I think you have to look at these guys um, as having a ton of upside and potential, but there's there's also a lot of risk with them and there's like we said, there's so many running backs who are going to be available in free agency. I think you've probably got one rookie running back that I think is going to be a feature back as a rookie. And then you got a bunch of guys who are going to have a chance to play that part-time role. 
Okay. So everybody probably on the same page. This is a case by case basis. Of course. I think so. But the encouraging thing, I think, for a lot of the, the group here, minus CTN, was there weren't a lot of expectations for them to be starters right away. Like, you know, Damian Pierce, once the training camp situation sort of settled itself, you saw that he had a, a path once he started to perform the way that he did. But I don't think anybody expected Tyler Algier to take over the role, um, maybe without a, a Cordero Patterson injury. Um, Pacheco certainly was not the, you know, expected to be that guy. You know, Brees Hall was easy, you know, but I, 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 maybe not easy, you know, not easy necessarily to take over that, that way that soon. Um, but this class feels like it has a little bit more talent coming into it, you know, so we'll see how things sort of shake out once we get past, you know, the, the first couple of days of the draft. I can't believe I forgot about Pacheco in there. I think I was looking at a list of all the drafted guys, and I don't know. I just didn't go down to round seven. Sorry about that. Um, all right. Uh, this was uh, something that really burned me, and this trend. I don't know if it's a trend. <laughs> Maybe it's hopefully a one-year thing. But the more I think about it, you know, it may have just been a product of of the receiver position in general just being bad. But the rounds three through five wide receivers, which had just been such a gold mine. Because fantasy managers go really running back heavy in the first two rounds, typically. Rounds three through five wide receivers are, are just, they're not all great, but you get a lot of gems. They just really didn't perform this year. We only had uh, three top 15 wide receivers who were drafted in rounds three through five out of probably about 20 receivers. I'll do the math real quick, but I don't know. That was something, uh, Dave, that really got me. Uh, I thought, you know, obviously... Pitt, Pittman, and I'll give you the names. Evans, this is based on Fantasy Pros ADP. Evans, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Pittman, Higgins, McLaurin, D.J. Moore, Deontay Johnson, Mike Williams, Jalen Waddell, Metcalf, Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton. How many was that? You weren't counting? <laughs> I'm counting I'm counting the number of receivers that were, like, top 15. Three. Three were. Right. A.J. Brown, uh, Jalen Waddell, and... Am I missing? DK. Top, yeah, DK he was 13th. Was yeah, so I don't know. Um, was it just because wide receiver was worse this year? I don't know. It just They, they just weren't that how about, good. How about the quarterbacks that they were catching passes from? Yeah. You mentioned two chargers. We talked about Herbert. Bad year for him because he got hurt. The offense wasn't great either. The offensive line took on a lot of injuries. Pittman was in there. He had yeah. terrible quarterback play. Uh, McLaurin. Didn't have the best quarterback play. DJ Moore, I would I would could say that the reason why he didn't have the year that we thought he was going to have was because of quarterback play. Deontay Johnson, bad quarterback play. Who else did you name? Brandon Cooks, Cortland Sutton, Mike Evans. Uh, Cooks, Sutton, those guys qualify. Evans, is Godwin in this list? No. He Where did he finish in ADP? Or uh, points per game? Points per game, I don't was, know, but he wasn't. He he was, wasn't I think a, he was like 15th. But he was, and but he was past this group of. He was two. Five. He was two picks later. So he was basically in that same group. Yeah. And the only a big reason why Godwin and Evans got their numbers was because Brady threw so much. It's not the only reason. Brady had some good throws too. Evans had a terrible quarterback play. Is a huge game. factor you've got to consider. Evans finished as wide receiver seventeen, but it just was not a good year. You know, like for example, last year or twenty twenty one. C.D. Lamb was wide receiver 19. He scored 233 points. In 2022, T. Higgins was wide receiver 19. He scored 219 points. Just everything was down. You know, the quarterback scoring was down. The wide receiver scoring was down. But, Jamie, when you look at this, we look at the, there are going to be a lot of receivers that go off the board in rounds, rounds three through five, and they're going to be enticing. Should we try to, should we consider the quarterbacks on their teams more than, we, than we've been in? Uh, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Sure. I mean, I, I think it should come into play almost every year. You know, you we sort of get a little bit, you know, maybe overexcited about expected targets, you know, and, and what that role could be despite some quarterback concerns. You know, I, I, I think, you know, Michael Pittman and DJ Moore are probably two good examples of that. You know, of we, we thought there might be a quarterback upgrade coming for their respective teams with Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield. And, you, know, you saw some of the pitfalls that I, I think, you know, maybe had Matt Ryan played the entire season, Michael Pittman's numbers would have been better, but you know, who knows? And certainly if Sam Darnold had played the entire season, DJ Moore's numbers would have been better. But um, for the majority of, of those two guys, you know, and throw Corlin Sutton in there too, you know, with the thought of what Russell Wilson could be. But um, 
you know, you, you, you sort of, and, and I think he's sort of alluded to this a little bit with his lessons learned, you know, continuity matters, you know, so that quarterback receiver relationship, that coach offensive coordinator, quarterback receiver relationship, you know, all those things, you know, from the trickle down effect is probably something that you want to maybe lean a little bit more to. Now the counter to that would be Stefan Diggs first year in Buffalo was amazing. You know, Devonte Adams had a pretty damn good season with Derek Carr. Again, you could say continuity, but um, still switching teams. So there, there are different levels of probably to all of this, but I think, you know, overall, yes, quarterbacks should certainly matter when you're talking about the wide receiver. Can you look up the results of one of the drafts we did last month and we sure. can talk about the receivers that went in this range? I'm curious uh, who ends up there this year. I, you know, one of the Eagles guys might sneak at the to beginning of round three, but yeah, we'll see. I'm just going to kill some time here. Dave, uh, what was the best thing you ate yesterday? The spinach dip that my wife made was pretty outstanding, but what really took the cake, my son brought home cake, uh, a Australian Wagyu steak Ooh. and grilled that, and he shared a little bit of it with me, and he, he nailed it. It was perfect. <laughs> really, a couple of amazing bites of steak, thanks to my kid who picked up a nice steak over at uh, the butcher shop near our house. He only got one? Yeah, he got it for him because I didn't know he was coming to the house for the game. And my wife bought wings and pizza. Okay. Like that guy, so that guy thinks he's going to mute the TV. I'm not giving him any steak. I'm not buying him any steak. He's what was the best thing, <laughs> <laughs> best thing you had uh, yesterday? Yeah, it was either the jalapeno poppers or the wings. I put a little extra cayenne on the uh, on mm. the wings. And so they were a little bit spicier. They, they were really, really good. I bought. I can't get it now. I'm sorry. Yeah, same. I was having the same problem. Uh, all right. Oh well. We're doing a draft today, so we can revisit this. I I bought the the buffalo sauce for my wife to make her buffalo chicken dip, which was great. And I bought extra mild. So <laughs> it was extra mild. Extra mild. I can't do anything even remotely spicy. But so I won't be at your at your parties, Heath. But that was dip was no, you outstanding. Won't. All right, uh, Jamie, your final thoughts on food from yesterday? Um, yeah, I had, I had uh, fun grilling. I haven't grilled in a while, just from football season. So made some steaks, made some chicken, made some hot dogs. It was fun. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Okay, thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day. We will talk to you on Wednesday with our next show, Wednesday and Thursday this week. And uh, that's it for Dave and Jamie and Heath and Thomas. I am Adam. streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.